Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, Tomorrow's World webcast. It's very nice to be here with you. Uh, my name is Wallace Smith, and I'm here with two remarkably handsome and muscular guests. Uh, on my far left, you have Mr. Mike DeSimone. Uh, he assists as a working pastor here in the Charlotte area. And you have Mr. Peter Nathan, the president of what country was that? I'm just kidding. Not, not the president of a country. Uh, Mr. Nathan works at the Living University uh, and is a minister here. And you may have made, uh, read many of his contributions in some of our magazines. Welcome, fellas. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. Good to be uh, here. Very nice. Uh, let's get moving. There's a lot going on. Uh, actually, before we get started, one thing I do want to say, most of you, uh, who watch uh, might be aware that uh, the presiding evangelist of the Living Church of God, Dr. Roderick C. Meredith, died just last week, Thursday night. And so uh, this is uh, the first uh, webcast we've had without him. Tinged with sadness, we certainly miss him. But at the same time, we hope to do everything he wanted us to do, which was uh, move on, move on with God's work and, and follow his example. So uh, I know his family would appreciate all of your prayers. Uh, there is so much in the news going on, fellas. So I'm afraid mm -hmm. this particular webcast is going to be about four hours long. I hope you don't mind. Uh, no, it won't be four hours long. Don't worry, folks. I do want to talk, though, about the Manchester attack, and I don't mean to make light of it. Uh, this really is gigantic news. I was looking at a map uh, recently about Europe showing where all of these attacks have taken place, but not taking place necessarily in the United States. Uh, you know, the reasons for that we could speculate about. But in particular, it is turning a lot of things around concerning the election in England with what's going on with uh, Theresa May, the prime minister. Uh, there was an election coming up, but th the thinking behind it is really changing. You had some comments about that earlier, uh, Mr. Yes. Nathan. Uh, clearly, the uh, election was called because of Brexit. Mm -hmm. And uh, Theresa May had a fairly sizable majority uh, in the opinion polls going into it, but some missteps in terms of the conservative manifesto have halved that. Right. Uh, then all of a sudden we have Manchester, which has changed the whole concept of where the election is going at this point in time or changed the mindset of people. Sure, it's kind of brought them back in the same way 9-11 may have right. in, in that type right. of way. Right. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that really alarms me is this person was on the MI5's watch list, mm -hmm. and yet he wasn't being watched. Right. Right. Actually, I, I might be getting the details wrong. I believe I, but I read it just today, and so it's hard to keep up. Sometimes the news comes so fast, it's really hard to keep track and to keep it right. Sometimes the news guys themselves make mistakes in that regard. But that, yeah, they have records of this fellow training apparently in Syria uh, with ISIS, unless mm -hmm. I'm getting my mm -hmm. facts wrong. At the same time, how do, you, how do you respond to something like this without completely altering your society, mm. without turning the United States or Europe into a place that no one wants it to be? Uh, so have you gone abroad and been in countries where there's more uh, serious military presence mm. around Israel or uh, any other place? Yeah, part of the problem I see is, as was so well put by a columnist in The Spectator, mm. uh, Douglas Murray, who a fairly young guy in his 30s, uh, has just written a book on Europe and the problems of Europe, which of course feeds into the Brexit mm -hmm. uh, ideas, etc. But he uh, wrote an article this week in The Spectator, Islamists are very clear about what they want. We just aren't listening. And he's been on the BBC, he's been reported in the other uh, newspapers in the UK as well. So he obviously is someone to be pulled in to discuss this whole aspect of Brexit. 
But, uh, excuse me, of uh, the Islamists and uh, jihad and so forth. But it seems though there's an inability on the part of the democracies of the West to see Islam for what it really is. Mm, right. That it is a replacement for everything that exists in the world. We think of it as being a religion like the Church of England. Sorry, folks. It's a political system. It's a state of mind. It is a total system. Right. And you know, as such... Mm -hmm. Yeah, as, as you know, the the liberal left leaning type of uh, way of thinking wants to accept it, wants to kind of bring that idea in, doesn't want to hurt feelings, doesn't want to say, you know, it's amazing how with the Manchester uh, situation there. And they knew it was a suicide bomber, but they didn't want to place it on ISIS too quickly. They didn't want to blame right. too quickly. Yet it's interesting, at least with our uh, our you know, Western news media here in the, the U.S., our situation, they're so quick to take any little quip of any little leak that's come out, anonymous, to and just put the blame right on President Trump. So quick to do that with President Trump. Right. But they want to stay away from pointing the finger at ISIS. Right. That's part of what I find so difficult these days in terms of watching the news. Uh, you know, where do you go? It seems like you have to kind of recognize every source is tainted in some way. Uh, you might as well go to the opinion pages, it seems, might as well, because it seems like that's all you're getting from all sorts of sources. Everyone wants to use every opportunity to grandstand. It's not, it's, it doesn't seem so often, rather. I don't want to condemn people that might be trying their best, to be honest. But it seems like so often, Every little thing, every attack, whatever is being used as an opportunity to to press something, not mm. just to talk about what needs to be done or what things are, but to press an agenda, whether you're right or whether you're left. You know, everyone seems to to have one. Mm. You know, that said, in this environment, how do you, how do you talk to your kids about things like this? I, you know, Mr. D. Simone, I know you're really involved with your with your kiddos. I've seen them all. They're they're a bunch of good looking kids. You wouldn't know it necessarily, but no. they are. Yeah, they're great looking indeed. kids. Uh, yeah. How do, how do you talk to your kids about things like this? Sure. Well. You know, I think one of the key things and, and what we've done, we've talked about it recently, is, okay, so God's word, we take God's word and we can see the prophecies of God's word coming to pass right in front of us as these things happen. I mean, it, as, as they happen, we can look at uh, God, the prophecies God's made, and it helps prove that God's word is divine. That's what it does. Um, we also can see that this isn't the end of it. It doesn't stop here. The world isn't going to end. We don't need to go find another planet like right. was talked about last week. Right. That doesn't need to happen. It's not going to end in nuclear war. It's not going to end because of, uh, you know, whatever climate change. Right. But God's word is true and Jesus Christ will come back and fix it. Right. He'll fix it. You know, even if we could move to another planet, we'd just take all of our problems with us. We take know, we the would problems just, with we us. We would just create the exact same society that right. we've made here. We've seen to demonstrate century after century that we don't fundamentally learn these lessons. We just fight the wars with different kinds of pointy sticks. Right. Uh, it continues to go on and on and on. Uh, which really, it's uh, it's ahead, really go. interesting because you talk about the end. There is no such thing as the end of the world. Right, yeah. right. There is a solution to the problems sure. that we face. And that's what we are trying to espouse and convey in terms of this program, right. magazine, mm -hmm. television program, etc. And right. there of course is we, a solution. Of course we know that because right. of God's word, but 
you know, a lot of the, the media, the idea, scientists, you know, what's going to happen to this world, not knowing what's going to happen. Right. And that, that's something I find really interesting. As you watch, like I, I was talking about earlier, what do you do with society? How do you change your society to stop uh, suicide bombers, to stop these, uh, these folks who could be in your very midst, who are planning these kinds of things, working at a distance with the internet without turning your society into a virtual police state? What mm -hmm, do you do? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be too dismal to all of our folks out there, but physically, apart from a creator who's going to intervene, I don't think you can do anything. Yeah, David tells us, he asks, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Yeah. And the fact is that the foundations are destroyed. There's not much. Uh, it doesn't mean there's not hope for the country. Uh, I did think it was interesting, and I'd like to, to pivot just a bit and talk about this, uh, this Texas sheriff and his mm -hmm. comments, because they've been quoted as focusing on the words, wake up America. And I want to say... Tomorrow's World, we had Wake Up America. If you go to a Tomorrow's World presentation, you will see our program named Wake Up America. Maybe he was inspired by seeing our presentation. I don't know because he doesn't talk a lot about our presentation, but, but still, if you happen to see a, there's a Tomorrow's World presentation in your area, that's what we're calling it. We're calling it for a reason. Not exactly, though, the same reasons as this fellow. You may have heard about this. I actually have a report in my hand from a CBS affiliate in DFW, Texas, my old stomping grounds. I didn't know this guy, though, just, just so you know. The title here is Wake Up America, Texas Sheriff Rants on Terror After UK Attack. It was from uh, May 23rd. And I'm just going to read his, his name was uh, just Sheriff. Just a moment. Yes. Can you read that without the emotional words involved? Like, do you want me to try? Try. Uh, 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 sure. Uh, no, I don't think I can. I don't, even, I don't, well, know, I don't know if I can try. Out. I can leave what out? You could leave the word rants. Rants? Because oh. immediately you're creating. Well, that's an excellent point. Mm. Let me say, just mm. I did not editorialize, uh. ladies and gentlemen. The title says rants. Yeah. I mean, I, I have right. to give it the title. But you're right. That certainly presumes right. something. That's right. Yeah. At the same time, when you read it, I think we can honestly say that it would be an inappropriate title to say, Wake up, America. Texas sheriff delicately discusses the nuances but of the again, uh, terror attack in the UK. You're also loading that's, it, aren't you? That's true. So speaks on. Yeah, post speaks on. on. Post on speaks Facebook. Speaks on. Neutral. That's right. All right, neutral. So I'm just going to read what he says. But you're right. Let's not assume it's a rant. Uh, you know, he could have been sniffing flowers while he wrote this. All right. So this is Sheriff unlikely. Murphy. Very, like, very unlikely. He writes on Facebook, uh, and this is just uh, clippings from, it's not the entire thing that he says. I'll say the entire rant. See? Right. Mr. Uh, Mr. Nathan on board. All right. He says, pay attention to what you see in Manchester, England tonight. Pay attention to what is happening in Europe. This is what happens when you disarm your citizens. Well, we could talk about that. When you open your borders without proper vetting, when you allow political correctness to dictate how you respond to an enemy that wants to kill you. Uh, and then it, it quotes him again. It says, when you allow these radicals to travel to Afghanistan and Iran and simply let them back in, when you give up your cities and your neighborhoods to a religious ideology that says you must convert or die, an ideology that treats women as property, kills gays and women and Christians uh, with complete impunity. Uh, so anyway, he's talking pretty strongly and he's gotten a lot of coverage uh, because of this. Which really, I think he's probably saying what a whole lot of people feel, but right. but take that apart a little bit. Let's unpack what he says and your reaction to well, this fellow's comments. If there are parts of France, there are parts of England or the United Kingdom in which Sharia law is basically exercised mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there are so many Muslims in that community. And they do not go to the police with matters. They take right. it to the Islamic authorities. Mm -hmm. And so we have, you might say, a state within a state. Right. 
And right. it's interesting, you know, Europe's had this problem before because in the Middle Ages, the, uh, the Islamists were knocking on the door of Vienna and in Spain, et cetera, et cetera, and Europe was able to repel them and eventually drive them back. But this time it's internal, not an external threat. And it has not been healthy for Europe with right. that. I mean, it has right. been unhealthy for yeah. sure. Um, as far as this, uh, th this sheriff here, I'll tell you, I mean, I think you said it, that he is saying what a lot of people really think, except for, you know, <laughs> like this article, you know, rants <laughs> against, you know, I mean, uh, as far as the way that it's, it's put there. Um, I did appreciate uh, one of the comments he made. He says, the left tells us we must submit and accept these radical beliefs and bend over backwards to make sure that we don't hurt anybody's feelings. I mean, really, that is, that is a, a big deal. Uh, the left wants to cater to the very uh, group that would kill every group they claim to support. Right. <laughs> well, that is very strong. Uh, you're going to get attention when you say stuff like sure. that. And sure, yeah. that is what a lot of people think. And it really is, uh, without agreeing with anybody, and he, he talks about, if I recall, the party he was a part of when he was elected. And so he's like, up front, no one should be surprised that I'm saying right. these things. Mm -hmm. But I do want to highlight what he says, that we do live in a time where the things that need to be said, mm -hmm. uh, no one is saying, there are few people are saying them out of fear of offending others. Right. Uh, the idea of Political freedom correctness. Of, well, yeah, the, the, whole... the idea, right, that, well, I, I don't want you speaking, is that really bothers me. I need a safe place. Right. Someone give me a safe place in which to stand. I don't have to hear these things. Yeah, but Islamists do not respect that. Right, hmm. right. That, that is totally foreign to them, and they're not going to accept it. But yet, the political elite think that their ideas will win over the political, the Islamists. Right, right. And that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I want to highlight in terms of his approach, I, I get where he's coming from. You know, I can understand that. I do understand, you know, some other points of view as well. But what I hear him saying is, like the one comment, I couldn't help but notice it, this is what happens when you disarm your citizens. Right, yeah, I did. You know, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a big that. thing right, to say. And right, at the same right. time, to me, not it, it's... Even if you don't agree with everything he says, sometimes it's refreshing to hear someone speak openly. Sure. And, you know, at least uh, so ideas sure. can be thought about without agenda. Right. But at the same time, what he represents in that one comment reminds me that he doesn't have the answers either. You know, what right. is the answer? Is the answer to the – Right. It's not to, to these arm threats? people. Yeah. yeah. It's for all of us not, to turn in the yeah. A-team. Like right. all of us. I'm, I'm sorry for those who turn don't get the 80s reference, yeah. but I, I miss a little bit of right. the A-team. Well, yeah. The British have never been armed, so we haven't disarmed the British. Well, now, here's, the only people who are armed in Britain are the – Criminals. Okay, but but an important question: Does has England ever seen the A Team? Do you have any idea? I presume it's been on a cable over there. Okay, well that's so. important to know. Yeah. We want to make yeah. sure they're cultured. You know, our, our friends across the pond are cultured. Just kidding. No need to watch the A Team no. to be cultured. <laughs> uh, but that said, the idea that 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 that's the solution is a whole bunch of just right. armed citizens. The Bible makes it really plain that you know, for instance, I'm not saying don't invest in gold. I, I I'm not a financial planner. But the Bible makes it really plain. Ezekiel talks about people will be throwing their gold and silver right. into the streets because of what is coming, because money does you no good. Guns, gold, all those things is not going to save you because the source of our problem is sin. sin. If, you have a, if you have a divine creator who's backing your country, he can take care of all of these things. But without him, what can you do to yeah, do well, the job? Deuteronomy 28 Verse 43, it said, The alien, alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you and, sh you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He will lend to you and you shall not lend to him. He will be the head and you'll be the tail. Mm -hmm. And it said, 
All these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. Right. That's a pretty powerful evaluation. It is. Because you did not obey the voice of the eternal your God to keep his commandments and the statutes which he commanded you. So this is going to be a sign of wonder. It is. And and there's something I want to make sure I stress there because sometimes people think, well, the people that were killed in this this nightclub, Mm. they weren't necessarily Mm. a whole bunch of, you know, sinners running around. But what he's talking about here is a societal kind of curse. That if you as a society begin to forget me and my hand of protection, then you're just left to the random things that happen. You're essentially Mm -hmm. asking me as a nation not to truly protect you. Right, not to get involved. Stay out of my business. Right, exactly right. Yep. Not, not that you know. God didn't. God did not. Yeah, I mean, good point. God did not make these things happen. He did not instigate this at all. He doesn't do that. It's he, interesting he as take... well that so many of these things have happened in nightclubs, mm. yeah. which is something which is seen as being a great sin mm. by the Islamists. Mm. And so here was this concept of largely young girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who should be at home, hidden behind the veil, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Not according to Peter Nathan, but according no, to the according, uh, according to the idea. Just so you know, right. Right. Clear. that's not to, his personal uh, opinion. According to right. according to that ideology, right? That's, that's right. right. That's yeah, right. <laughs> but right. That, that's the way in which they see it. And of course, right. they, they, um, uh, Douglas Murray talks about uh, one of the other uh, problems in London. One of the targets included the Ministry of Sound nightclub in London. What was the appeal? As uh, the uh, uh, terrorist said to his colleague, no one could turn around and say, oh, they're innocent. These slags dancing around. Mm -hmm. So they look Mm -hmm. at us as soft targets. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is against our religion, and we are going to stop it. Right. And, you know, the fact that it is these concerts and nightclubs, like this being a concert, that's part of what I, I keeps coming back to me is apart from appealing to a divine creator to protect you, which that appeal isn't just saying God bless America uh, whenever you give a speech at the end. It's actual seeking his will, right. seeking his way of life. How do we harden America or London and the rest enough to truly prevent these things from happening? It's a completely different kind of war. It's, it's not the same kind of war that's been fought before. You just can't. It's not enough. You can't do enough. It's interesting looking at some of the lyrics of the songs that were being sung, sung at the um, concert in Manchester, where it was talking about the devil and uh, things of that nature. We view those things very metaphorically, mm-hmm. and music is music. But these young men take it literally. Mm. And so they see themselves doing God's work in taking out these people who would be profaning. And, you know, with that, there is a difference between Christianity, true Christianity, and, and, and this type of uh, thinking, this type of, Islam, you know, Islamic Muslim thinking. Um, you know, God the, of the Bible, the God of the Bible doesn't say to go kill your neighbor, to go kill. You don't handle it by doing right. that. You right. live a way of life. You live according to his way of life. And you... you you know, you don't go kill. <laughs> right, right. Um, I want to make sure I move on to another topic, make sure I take advantage of the time that we have. And I, does any news happen in the U.S. anymore? We don't mention Mr. Donald Trump in some Well, form because or he's other. been abroad for the last week he and has. he has done very well. Mm-hmm. Has he? Oh, we're going to have an evaluation perhaps of his trip. Uh, 
I have an article here. This is from, uh, hopefully we can put it on the screen, actually. I'm having a hard time noticing what I printed it off from. Uh, but it's titled, Trump Stresses Unshakable Bond Between U.S. and Israel During Jerusalem Speech. ABC News. Not ABC News. Thank you very much. And it has a handsome picture of the president there uh, with uh, the flags behind him, and he's giving a speech. And this idea of an unshakable bond, which I would say, I, without picking on any previous presidents or administrations, certainly was a question. It was a, well, I had to be up front. It was a tumultuous relationship mm -hmm. under President Obama's right. administration. And I'm not, tr I'm not trying to dictate politically to what's going on, but I'm just addressing the political reality. There was a lot of insults in terms of choices back and forth. There were seen at least as insults, as in designed to be insults. Whereas here, it seems like there's a strong reaching out. There, there's a strong uh, from the United sure. States to Israel to try to say uh, things are different now. You know, it's so much better. It's, it's huge. You know, I, that's something you got to work with huge in there. It's a huge difference. Uh, what do y'all think of this? What do you think might be made of this? It's, it looks like, you know, Israel feels that they there's more hope now than there has been in a mm. very long time. Mm. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu, I mean, and the, the president uh, there, looks like they feel that there is more hope now than there has been right. for them. Mr. Nathan, you... I can't help but think of Zechariah chapter 10. Mm. And here is President Trump like every previous American president saying, this is going to be my one priority mm. to fix. <laughs> right. And yet Zechariah 10 talks about Jerusalem becoming a burden mm. and a problem for the people who involve themselves in it. Right. Um, and uh, it's interesting, we're now coming up to the 50th anniversary of the Six Day War in 1967. We've already just passed the 70th anniversary of uh, the founding of the State of Israel. And November, we have the, the 100th anniversary of the Belfort Declaration. And in December, we have the 100th anniversary of General Allenby uh, taking Jerusalem from the Ottomans. Wow. So this year is an incredible year mm -hmm. in terms of Jerusalem and the state of Israel. A very profound year. And of course, the Trump presidency and him making these comments uh, obviously gives a certain uh, support mm -hmm. uh, to the people in Israel. I'm just impressed you rattled off all of those anniversaries <laughs> just uh, just like that. Do you have a chart in your office? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all in his head. Uh, no, really, it is. It is very profound what's going on. And I I appreciate you said that because I hadn't actually thought about that. How many presidents have done that? <laughs> How they've gone and say, oh, you know, we had this special relationship. You know, uh, we're going to make Jerusalem, you know, officially kind of, you know, the capital. And there's political drama about that. And yet it just continues on and on. You're right. Mm -hmm. That same verse says that how Jerusalem is going to be this burden. But for those who try to throw it away from them, you just get cut to shreds. You, you don't – there's no getting rid of the centrality of Jerusalem yeah. – to world news, why? Not because it's Jerusalem, but because God has made it the center in a sense. Prophecy continues to consider Jerusalem the center of things. And it's fascinating that as, for centuries we've tried to get away from it, and Jerusalem, in the question of it, refuses It to keeps go on away. coming closer. It does. It does. By the way, it's Zechariah chapter 12, not 10. Oh, uh, thanks. Me. Thank you. Yeah, you made your mistake. You know, we all knew that. Actually, <laughs> and I totally knew that. We, we weren't going to say that. anything. Go <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the audience. That's right. Um, you know, the Temple Institute, there's another article uh, about uh, sending to the Temple Mount on Jerusalem Day. Uh, the Temple Institute, uh, Rabbi uh, Rickman, I guess is how you might say it, Interesting, just in the context of what we're talking about here, says uh, the fact that government officials recognize the problem and irony 
of the imbalance of Jews not being able to pray uh, to pray there is a really wonderful thing and shows the idea that Jews want to visit the Temple Mount, not because they are radicals or to make trouble and threaten peace, but because of innate and natural desire to be at the place that is holy to them. Yeah, I, I find it incredibly refreshing to see someone say that, that there is this, I mean, since I've grown up, you know, there, there's been this idea, well, here's the Temple Mount, and you know what, Jews, you can't really go there right, to pray. Right. There's been this crazy agreement that's made to try to quell the violence yeah. and keep the violence down and continually. It's truly not. I think it was President George W. Bush who said once, uh, when he's talking about the roadmap to peace there in the Middle East, we see how that's really gone. But he talked about how pretense isn't peace. Pretending things are better doesn't make them better. Hmm. And here you have, uh, in this particular case, someone acknowledging that what a strange state of affairs that he have the place where the, everyone wants to pray if you are a Jew there in Israel and you're, you've surrounded it, but no one can, you know, and to try to make a, a difference there is a, is a nice to see one say it. Right. And, you know, which makes me think about, uh, you know, maybe it's a sidetrack, but it makes me think about um, Daniel 1131 and really the starting of the sacrifices again, you know, just this ability to be able to talk this way, right. the, the, the ability to be able to think this way. Uh, you know, Daniel eleven thirty one says that there will be sacrifices that are started again. Right. Uh, I want to mention before I forget, uh, I should have said this earlier, but I'm a little rusty having missed the last two, in that, uh, oh, if you have any questions, the clock is actually ticking. There's not a lot of time left, but if you will send in some questions on Facebook, we will do our best really to get to get into them if we if we can. Uh, but right, very much, yes. Uh, to carry on, is President Trump the first president who has been to the Western Wall to pray? Uh, I think President Obama went there before he was elected. Is what okay, I but understood. as a president. Uh, but as a president, right. mm. I, I don't know about the first, but... Uh, uh, interesting point to consider. It is interesting. But it is interesting. bear in mind, this point you're talking about, about Jews not going, up, be, going on the Temple Mount to pray, was a upshot of a six-day war of decisions that were made in right. the six-day war about um, that aspect and leaving the Arabs and the uh, Mufti of Jerusalem in control of the Temple Mount. Uh, and at that point in time, I think one of the motivating forces, uh, rightly or wrongly, was, well, we don't know where the Holy of Holies is, so you might inadvertently mm. walk onto the Holy of Holies mm. uh, and uh, be mm. somewhere you shouldn't. Mm. Uh, but of course, lots have moved on, lots of things have moved on since then right. in terms of research about mm. the Temple Mount. Right. We do know prophecy talks about the need to have sacrifices that are interrupted. So we know right. there's going to be sacrifice again. I do find it fascinating that we see these groups constantly striving to accomplish that. Sure. Does it mean that they will be the ones to actually, you know, be allowed yes. to do that? Uh, not necessarily. Right. And I do think that's one of the mistakes that people make with prophecy sometimes, and it'll actually impact a little bit, be related to the next article, is that people will take what's going on in the news and try to read it into prophecy, mm -hmm. as opposed to just letting prophecy unfold and trusting God versus what they see today. I bring that up because of this Washington Post article. Uh, the title is, Europe Desperately Needs Leadership. It Should Come from Berlin. Uh, you know, people have talked for a long time. I remember back people talking about Germany doesn't want to run things in Europe, uh, how they, uh, you know, they, they understand the past and they understand, what's the word today, the optics, almost, I hate that word, but you know, the way things look. And yet 
you've seen over the last several years this constant push, not by Germany to take control for the most part, but by other countries to give Germany control. Uh, and I find that increasingly, this is Washington Post, uh, May 10th, I see that recognized, see it happening more and more. I, I would like to take a contra view because I wonder whether the Washington Post article is informed by what President Trump said about NATO hmm. and about the lack of the role of NATO in Europe. Now, Germany certainly is the engine of Europe. There's no question of it. But it's interesting in terms of Brexit that all of the uh, 27 countries forming the European Union at the present time have given total control over to the European Commission in Brussels hmm. to take care of Brexit. Hmm. So in other words, you have a very great power center in Europe already called Brussels. Right. Now, people will say, oh yes, Juncker's the president of the European Commission is simply in Angela Merkel's hip pocket. Hmm. She has a hip pocket. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> she, she does what, he does whatever she wants. But yet the European Commission is a great power source of its own. Mm -hmm. And what it wants, it gets. Mm. Uh, when you have the European Commission demanding an army, a European army, you will see it you know, I, much I, more I, than the uh, yeah. Washington Post no, authors. No, go ahead. I Mr. wonder, uh, just you say maybe they got that from uh, some of Trump's comments makes me wonder if they got some of this from the literature that we've produced over the past many years, you know? I bet every editor for the, <laughs> for the Washington Post is reading our literature. You know, I mean, this is, uh, this is what we've said. This is right. what God's Word really says will end up happening. Uh, one quote from that uh, article that uh, the Atlantic community still faces a profound crisis of confidence. To survive it, Europe urgently needs strong and enlightened leadership from within, and best and the best candidate providing it is Germany. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And that's actually playing into what I was talking about, about, uh, oh, for instance, let me focus on the army in particular. We've talked about having a military potentially. Yeah. Uh, this came from uh, Foreign Policy magazine. The date is uh, May 22nd. The title was Germany is quietly building a European army under its command. Now, foreign policy is not a uh, extreme organization. Frankly, they're a little bit, uh, I'd say leftist, and at least as I detect in terms of their politics. But they are uh, an, an analysis group for concerning world events, and they'll publish about those. And made this comment, it's an article by Elizabeth Braw, saying uh, that Berlin is using a bland name to obscure a dramatic shift in its approach to defense integrating brigades from smaller countries into the Bundeswehr. Mm. That is, a lot of armies in Europe are starting to donate a brigade, a brigade for them to train together, to learn together. Now, it's interesting, at the end of the article, it talks about, well, with all these groups working together, what language are they going to use? And they ought to decide that so you can talk. Currently, they're leaning English, apparently, a lot mm -hmm. of them, which, which is interesting. But I guess here, here's the point I'm trying to bring up. People have said, well, there's no army there. In fact, if anything, Europe has, has tended towards more uh, peacenik kind of approaches to things. But does that mean prophecy isn't going to be fulfilled? We don't look at the idea of uniting Europe based on what we see in the news. We look at it based on prophecy, and we mm -hmm. expect the news to catch up. And so the idea that Europe has not had any militaristic kind of uh, con you know, ideas, again, news eventually catches up mm -hmm. to the Bible. 
You know, uh, one of the things, there's another article by CNN, can Europe, uh, can a European army save the EU? And really coming down to the idea that NATO, you know, they need these countries, these European nations need to give more to NATO. And uh, uh, Merkel is saying, look at not until 2024, are we going to be up to the 2%, 2%. GDP. Mm -hmm. And Trump's saying, well, we want it now. It needs to be right now. You know, so one of the viable options kind of being looked at, and I think maybe the, the you know, this other article you're talking about, about uh, Germany quietly building an army, one of the options uh, to replace that, not NATO, but is a German army, a European army, to put more investment in that versus right. depending on NATO. Right. There's another aspect that's being debated in Europe at the present time, and that is what happens after Britain leaves to the European budget. Mm, right. Now, some countries like Austria, I believe, want to cut so that it is a smaller budget overall and uh, that it represents the loss of the income from Britain. Other countries like Poland want it kept at the same level. In other words, what are you going to do with all this extra cash that is being pumped into the budget? Right. Where is that going to go? Uh, clearly, it can go into areas like rearmament. Right. We're going to we're going to wrap up here in a moment. We do have a question from Facebook, which I'll toss to you guys uh, and be able to answer a question that's come in. By the way, we've had uh, viewers from uh, Manila, Ontario, uh, New Zealand, uh, Sri Lanka, and all the way away in Alabama. So anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome to everybody. It's uh, great to have you with us. So to wrap up the point that we're talking about is, you know, these things happen, but the form in which they may take going from point A to point B, you know, we'll find out. But the fact is the Bible describes point B and just give it time. These things do start to form. In fact, the Bible is really clear about the, uh, the power that will attack uh, the U.S. And, and Britain and the rest, that it's not in their heart to do mm -hmm. these kinds of things. It's not in their heart to do these things, but they will be used by God to fulfill his purposes. Uh, and we see those things coming together. Uh, the, the question from Facebook was, and it, it refers, we just referred a while ago about sacrifices returning to Jerusalem before Christ returns. Uh, and the question just came from someone, since Jesus is our sacrifice, what is the purpose of the sacrifices resuming? And so perhaps, you know, we may not have been clear, which we need you guys to help us be clear in the things we talk about. Uh, what kind of sacrifices are we talking about before Christ returns? Anybody want to handle that? Well, I'll, I can start just that simply... Um it's not, this would be the Jews. Of course, you know, as Christians, we know that Jesus Christ was our sacrifice. We don't sacrifice animals, won't sacrifice animals, uh, you know, as far as because Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. Um, Let's be honest. He is our sin offering. He is not our peace offering necessarily, nor our thank offering, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, sometimes people overlook the variety of offerings and the uses of the variety of offerings. Clearly, as Mike was saying, quite correctly, the Jews do not accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So they can have any one of the seven offerings they like, period. Yeah, I think uh, in this particular case, we are talking about, one, the Bible prophesied there will be sacrifices that are interrupted. Right. So regardless of why they're being done, they're going to be done. And you are talking about uh, still the Jewish people in mm -hmm. Israel that, are, that don't recognize Jesus Christ as as a sacrifice of any sort for them. Uh, and yet at the same time, 
in terms of how God feels about that, is he completely upset about that? You know, it's interesting, I find in, in, in the book of Acts, that sacrifices continued, of course, after Jesus Christ's sacrifice, they're in the temple, and even Paul participated in some of those. It was a, a, with the, the doves, right. and he went when people were fulfilling their vows, that God, while God, in a sense, had moved on with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and was even going to eventually allow that whole temple to be destroyed, it's not that he didn't respect, apparently, you know, what was going on where those who didn't understand were doing that in his name. I personally wonder what kind of agreements are going to be made. Because to go from a world like this, in which it's right. incredibly politically charged, to a world in which all of a sudden they're allowing mm -hmm. um, the, the Jewish people right. to be able to do sacrifices again, there had to be some radical differences That's right. between you, now you and You say then. point B. He's described point B. Right. And we're going to find out what the details Right. Between point one and point B. Yeah, I mean, point exactly. Point Too B. many people see us at point A, right. and, the, and they see the Bible says point B, and they try to use it to discredit the Bible. And yet at the same time, God figures out a path, and we do see us moving to those times, you know, as time moves on. Uh, our time, speaking of time, is up. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. I'd reach over and shake your hand, but we'd, <laughs> we'd knock much. down all the nice uh, microphones. And thank you. For the rest of you out there, you bet. Um, come see us again. Uh, we do our best to be up at 3 o'clock every Thursday, uh, and think of some questions you'd like to ask us. They do a great job of putting that on the screen for us. And uh, that's all from here. Take care. Thank you.